podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County Independent Fan Podcast. It's uh, no goals in Derby County's last two games, but the Rams' most recent result certainly felt like a victory as uh, Wayne Rooney's Rams somehow held table-topping West Brom away at the Hawthorns in a game that we have just witnessed. It's another point on the board, it's another clean sheet, and... You'd have to say, in the current circumstances, can we really ask for or expect much more from this Derby County side right now? I'm Chris Parsons, and running the rule over the Rams' last two performances with me, he's more cultured than a yogurt at the opera. It's Richard Kutcher. Good evening. Good evening to you. And he's uh, and he's dragged himself off the treatment table to join us tonight. It's Anton. What happened, mate? You okay? Yeah. Um... Classic football injury, uh, sprained ankle last Wednesday. I think it's number six that I've done this. I've just got an ankle made of glass now, considering early retirement, I think. But um feeling feeling a bit better off the crutches now, which is always a good sign. Well, you know what they say, when you roll your ankle five times, you're always more liable to do it a sixth time. I think that's the... Uh, have you at least managed to milk some sympathy from your wife and, you know, like sort of... Uh, Very minimal, actually. Um, no. It's more more anger towards the fact that I'm still playing football and that I can't move about the house. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, hey, you're here now and that's what we appreciate. Uh, so look, uh, before we crack on, don't forget that Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Co., Derby's original craft brewer. And, uh, well, you've got to drink to that, that gutsy... Backs to the wall, last ditch, nil-nil draw at the Hawthorns. A fantastic result for Derby against promotion-chasing promotion West Brom. Um, we all had it down, Kutch and, and Anton, as a, a game that Derby were probably going to get rolled over in, especially when the teams came out. And look, you look at you look at West Brom's team, they are still they're top of the league for a reason, although I think Bournemouth are now top of the championship after six or seven games, but they're up there for a reason. We're talking about a team here who still have that core of players who either got them up or are seasoned operators at this level. You, talk, you know, Dean Garner, Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant, Jake Livermore, Robert Snodgrass, Darnell Furlong, but Kutch, they didn't reckon with the championship Chiellini and Bonucci, did they? They didn't. And it was a, it was a, it was an absolute textbook, uh, performance from from yes as you say the, the championships uh Benucci and Cialini uh and plus Buchanan and the rest of them who will come on to in a moment but I'm just looking at the BBC table Chris and apparently West Brom are still top which I'm not quite sure why because they have an identical record to AFC Bournemouth and you'd think that will go down to alphabet uh and AFC will be top but uh, no uh West Brom are still top you know, before going into tonight, they'd scored uh, 13 goals in six games more than two goals a game they only conceded six um in in six games um, as well, so I thought, it, I thought I thought Rooney got his spot on tonight. He didn't he didn't play into 
West Brom's hands, which we would have done if we'd played like we did against Birmingham City. I think it would have been it would have been a, a cricket score and it would have been horrible to watch if we tried to pass it about from the back. You know, we obviously did not offer anything going forward, to be honest. Maybe a couple of better decisions. We might have created a, a chance in the final third, but with the way that we've played most of this season, it, it would have been asking a lot for our attack to, to get anything off kind of the, the clearances, which were essentially just booted up there. But we gave ourselves a chance. We hung in. And, and as we've said before this season, the one thing you can't fault this team for is effort. And I thought to a man, they were, they were all brilliant in, in, in their defensive duties tonight. And so I'm going to call it now. I've had a long, hard think about this. Well, I say long, hard think. I, th- I thought for about 10 minutes after the final whistle. Was that the most one-sided nil-nil you've ever seen Derby participate in? <laughs> um, I mean, being put on the spot, I can't think of a, a, a more one-sided one. Um, I mean, we knew it was going to be a stern test, didn't we? And it, it definitely proved to be the case. But you know what? I, as Cut said, I thought we did a, a really good job. That they're, they're just a horrible team to play against. They're they're massive, and they're also really good technically on the ball. It, it actually reminded me at times, especially our attack against their defence of of like the year 11s challenging the year nines to a game on the field at lunch because they were just bigger and stronger than us and, and quicker than us pretty much across the pitch. But what we lacked in in kind of strength and and, and pace and, and perhaps technical ability, we certainly made up for in, in kind of passion and, and work rate. And as Kutch mentioned, that that kind of really, really got us through. And, and you got to look back on that and, and say a point away at West Brom, despite the fact that we, we could have easily conceded at times. And I'm sure we'll come on to some of those chances in a bit. You definitely take a point and it could be a really valuable point when we look back on it later in the season. Yeah, just a couple of uh, of comments from our, uh, our patrons over on the Steve Bloomers Washing Discord. Danny Davis, he said, uh, cracking point, never thought we'd get anything there. World-class save at the end by Roos as well. And uh, Mark Coots over in Norway, he said, uh, wow, how did we survive that one? Bodies on the line everywhere. Great result. Going on that, Kutch, it was, um, if we talk about the first half first, I did see someone on Twitter describe it in, use one of my favourite words for a terrible game of football, which was agricultural. It was definitely agricultural. Um, but we did get another look at the uh, at what could be Derby's future team shape, really, against these decent sides going going away from home. Three centre-backs of Davis, Jagielka and Buchanan on this occasion. I mean, do you think, is that going to be a long-term strategy away from home against the better sides in the Championship? Or was it just like a sort of a needs-must situation tonight and, you know, we'll, we'll sort of chop and change game to game? I, th- I think it certainly should be considered. And, and let's not forget, we did do it a number of... Well, we played... Uh, three at the back or, or five at the back quite a few times last season and and if you remember back to the end of Koku's reign I think we got that win against Norwich I think that was I think that was a three at the back five at the back and the Bournemouth away game last season I think as well or the season before that maybe I oh, know last season sorry last season Bournemouth away was also another kind of three at the back five at the back kind of job where we just you know defended for our lives for the whole game and when you've got players like Knight and Shinny who can be really energetic and and get to people and press them in kind of our final third, our kind of first third, if that makes sense. Um, And then you've got experienced defenders like Curtis Davis, like Phil Jagielka, and you've got fullbacks like Bernard Buchanan who can tuck in, or last season when we had Wisdom who could tuck in and play as a right-sided centre-back. I think it it can suit us. 
And you know, Curtis Davis and, and Phil Jagielka, they absolutely relished that tonight. They they relished it. And the amount, you know, we lo- I lost count, and we said this before in other games, I lost count the amount of times you heard Owen Bradley on, on Rams TV say, Davis heads away, Jagielka heads away, Buchanan blocks it. Um, I think it does suit them. I think it really needs to be thinking about that as a formation against the better teams, particularly away from home. I thought what we did well with the shape, and, and this is probably credit to, to Rooney more than anyone, is is the fact that the, the two wide men in Yuzviak and, and Sibley stayed pretty high most of the game, especially in the first half. It's probably yeah. very very tempting for those players to, to drop back and really put 10 men behind the ball. But what happens when you do that is that you, you lump it up to your lone striker. And even if you've got a big striker who can hold it up, it's, it's so difficult to bring anyone else into play and it just keeps coming back. And you're never going to see out a, a game for 90 minutes if you're doing that. But we we, we were kind of brave in, in keeping those players up. And I thought Sibley and, and Yuzviak did pretty well, actually, in just creating a bit of chaos up there. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of quality or, or technical ability at, at times for, from either of those players but they were just putting the West Brom defenders under pressure and it, it led to several free kicks and, and throw-ins in in the attacking half which just relieved the pressure and, and actually we although we didn't create anything we, we looked like a, kind of a, a mistake from a West Brom defender or a lucky bounce we could have easily got in and I, I thought those two did a really good job especially first half they did start to tire in the second half um, but I'd, I'd definitely be happy seeing that shape as, as long as we we do push those players up against better teams I think that's a really good point Anton I certainly noticed that as well that we weren't leaving Bulldog in that first half completely isolated and even the second half when it was stretching you know Sibley was still staying high Lawrence was was staying high to a degree as well and, and you're absolutely right that it's it can so often become a 5-4 and they really tried hard not to and what that did is it did push West Brom to leave an extra defender back which they did then do and it, it essentially nullified the threat but I think you're right in in describing it as creating chaos and just just giving them something to think about and just not letting them chuck an extra man forward. And when that ball did go over the top, how many times did we see West Brom knock it out for a throw in deep in their own half or just not even risk trying to play it about because there were players up there? Now, as you say, we didn't create anything from them, and and that's where we need to be better. Is when you do get a, a throw in in you know adjacent with the edge of their penalty box, can we make something of it? Because we never never did. Um, so yeah, I thought Rooney did get did get that right, and I thought tactically, I thought he got it as about spot on as he could, particularly defensively. We just haven't got. If you had a CKR or another kind of bigger presence target man up there, we might be able to create a bit more chaos or hold the ball up a bit further up. But to be honest, it was it was just get it forward and and see can we create something as quickly as possible and then get back into shape. And it kind of worked. Yeah, on that and talking about the attacking players. I just wanted to see what you both thought about the uh, performance of Sam Baldock tonight, really. I was a bit disappointed, if I'm honest. Just a few moments in the game against West Brom tonight where, you know, it was bouncing off him a bit, wasn't really quite putting defenders under pressure as maybe as much as you would expect him to. Um, Sort of a couple of 50-50s and loose balls down the channel that he sort of maybe looked like he didn't really back himself to win. I don't know. Maybe that was just. Maybe I'm being harsh on him, and and he, he didn't get any service. He was doing a really hard, depressing, fruitless job up there. But I think the thing with him is, I just feel he needs to be a bit stronger. Really, like the hardest part of the job that Sam Baldock has to do is that he has to run the channels. He has to battle with defenders who are you know bigger and stronger than him. He has to chase loose balls. 
a lot of the time with getting nothing back, getting no reward, but he still got to do it. He, he, he cannot stop doing it. And I just felt like tonight a little bit, he looked a little bit more forlorn and a little bit more isolated. How, how did you rate his, his, his performance? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree to an extent. I, I, I think the two wide men put the, the West Brom defence under more pressure just simply because they're, they're quicker, uh, I would say. I, I'd be hesitant to criticise Baldock too much because, as you say, he had such a tough job today. And you, and you just look at the sheer size of the West Brom centre-halves. He's going to struggle to win any header and, and any long ball forward to him. Yes, he, he could put himself about a little bit more, um, but I think there are there are games which are better suited to him. And the fact of the matter is, without CKR, we don't really have a player that can match up against the West Brom defence. So he was really feeding off scraps um, in games against worse opposition. We'll, we'll hopefully get him more in and around the box, which is more his game, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll start to bring the best out of him. As I tweeted, Kutch, just a 26 attempt on goal for West Brom in this game. Nine on target. Um, How many did we manage? About four, I think, maybe two on target. I can't remember what those were. Four four shots, four shots, zero on target. Zero on target, right. I should have known. Um, But, I mean, going through some of those chances they missed, I I didn't really make notes on them, but I feel like the standout one was in injury time, big cross to the back stick, Darnell Furlong is just absolutely steaming onto it at the back post and he just throws himself at the diving header. I just thought, this is it. We've done well to get to this point, but you're just waiting for the net to bulge. And because I was watching it on the red button on Sky, they only have that one bloody camera and they don't have any replays. So I'm I'm pretty sure it was an amazing Kellaroo save, but I only saw it once. Um, That was the moment I thought they were going to win it, but it was just one of many moments where we were just living completely by the seat of our pants but at the same time Keller Roos and was one man in in that defense who had one hell of a game tonight didn't he yeah he did and uh Ram TV actually I don't know where they got their feed from but Ram TV did, did have a couple of different angles and and showed it um in game and, and at the end briefly as well I think and yeah it, it was Keller Rose had an absolutely fantastic game and and it right up there with almost all of the defence for for man and match contenders. Um, the header was, I don't want to say straight at him because Roos was having to move across his goal because obviously the ball came across from the other side. So Roos's positioning was spot on and that's your reward, right? As a goalkeeper, all you can do in a situation like that is be in the best place possible and he was in the best place possible. And so the, the ball hit him and he, and he made a great save resulting. He dealt with a lot of balls high, like that first half particularly, they were really targeting their corners to land just underneath the crossbar and really put the pressure on Calaroos. And, and that's the kind of thing he's been criticised for in the past for, for for making mistakes under that kind of pressure. And although his punches weren't always entirely convincing, they did clear the penalty box and, and basically clear the danger. And, and that's what the first thing you really need. And... And in terms of the save he made where right at the end from the diving header and he was in the right place, he was in the right place all game. He made several good saves with his feet. He closed down a couple of one-on-ones. Um, the other chance I would mention from West Brom, which I, we were definitely let off the hook, was um, the furlong. Yeah, I think it was furlong who had pretty much an open goal. He had a couple of defenders on the line about 12 yards out. And he, and he comes across to him. All he has to do is hit it first time with his left foot to back into the bottom corner. But he's determined. And this, for me, this is absolutely 
embarrassing and inexcusable for a professional football player. He's got an open goal and he tries to wait for it to come across with his right foot. Yeah. He closes half the goal off and he, he blasts it over the bar. And if that had been a Derby County player with five minutes to go in that game, I would have been flipping, fuming to see a player refuse to use their weaker foot on an open goal when it's rolling towards him. So we got let off the hook there. And um, But, you know, you kind of you kind of earn your own luck. You know, Derby put everything into it. West Brom had loads and loads of chances. You know, the other thing you can't really quantify, or I'm sure some Sato can quantify it, is the number of crosses across the six-yard box, particularly low crosses, which just missed absolutely everyone. There's one that almost went in the in the far post in the second half. Um, and yeah, Derby earned their luck tonight because when they could get blocks on, they did. And then when they opened goals presented, they missed it. And when Dil- Dylan Williams, the one time he did have a bit of a, a lapse in concentration and, and, and Furlong got that diving header in, that thankfully Calarouz is in the right place again to stop it. Yeah, so brilliant game for Calarouz in goal. We do have to give him credit. We all know... We've all had the conversations about Keller Roos, but he was absolutely superb tonight, I thought. And you have to call that out. You have to say that. But in there, in, in, in the back line with him, was was Phil Jagielka, of course, who we've already praised at least a couple of times on this podcast this season, showing his quality and experience in abundance. But a particularly impressive performance from him tonight uh, for... for a separate reason and uh, I don't know how many people are actually aware of this and I don't know if it's really even connected or, or, or how well he knew his brother but long story short Phil Jagielka's brother Steve tragically passed away earlier this year age 43 also a fellow professional footballer played um, a few hundred games or had a career with Sheffield United and uh, Shrewsbury Town I think among other clubs Ackerks and Stanley as well, but uh, tragically passed away in March this year from drug-related reasons after, I believe, struggling to, to sort of come to terms with a life after football. And it was Steve Jagielka's uh, inquest today um, and the conclusion of that inquest where a, uh, a coroner ruled on on the reason for Steve Jagielka's death, Phil's brother. Look, I'm, I just felt I had to mention it because, as I said, I don't know how uh, close... Phil Jagielka is to his brother, what sort of relationship they have. But on the assumption that it was obviously something he'd be aware of, the conclusion of of an absolutely horrific set of events and circumstances that you wouldn't wish on anyone whatsoever having to deal with that as a family. And the fact that he 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 played tonight for Derby, you wouldn't have really excused it if if he if he didn't want to play tonight. The fact that he played put in that performance and and led the team just like he always does. He wouldn't have known anything like that was on his mind at all. And so on. it's just a massive credit to him as a man, as a leader, as a professional. And it goes without saying that we just wish him and his family uh, all the best after after what they've been through. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And and I mean, if, if you didn't know about that, you wouldn't have been able to tell from from that performance today because he, he gave absolutely everything and and both him and Davis actually were were superb as they have been all season. There were, I mean, at least four times that I can remember where there was a, it was kind of pulled back to the edge of the box and they both kind of flung themselves uh, towards the ball and managed to get a block in and it kind of went away for, from a corner. Um, on a on another day, they, those those kind of chances could easily go in, and and they just 
they they wear their their heart on their sleeve and and that's exactly what we need this year and that experience at the back is is going to be invaluable and hopefully despite their ages they they can play the majority of the games they they've certainly shown no signs of of slowing up so far um, and they were yeah brilliant again tonight more to come in a second on Steve Bloomer's washing but don't forget this season as we've said at the top of the show we are on Patreon this year where you can get a bonus monthly podcast from us we've got a great one coming up this month on the uh, on the remarkable away day at forest 10 years ago this month the famous 10 men game and win at the city ground where kutch and i had a brilliant chat with jamie ward to uh, to relive that famous away victory in the east midlands derby that's coming out later this week on the 7th on friday the 17th there's also loads of other benefits as well. You can win prizes, win a free Christmas dinner on us. We'll buy you a pint just for signing up. And there's a great little community that we've uh, we've got on our Discord channel as well. We're having some great chats with uh, with fellow Rams fans. So join up there and give us a follow on social as well. We're at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter and we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper, and you are listening to Steve Bloomer's washing. Now it's with Rowett. Rowett up the inside right position, touched on into the path of Sturridge. First time shot. Goal! Beautiful shot from Sturridge. Right past Martin, and Derby County pull themselves back into the game with their first goal of the season, belonging to Dean Sturridge. And he hit it from 22 yards up into the air. Massive backspin under the post in the top corner. And Nigel Martin, two and a half million from Crystal Palace in the summer, wasn't good enough. And nobody would have been. So yeah, boys, not the most inspiring of first halves, as in, in that West Brom game, as we said, to the point where I actually tweeted at one point, I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight because... Very little was happening other than Derby just dealing with cross after cross after cross after cross. What should we talk about? A couple of people came in. Uh, someone on our Twitter, uh, Craig G at Darbadian, he said, throw in towels, discuss. They were in evidence tonight, weren't they? How, do you have strong feelings about the use of towels as a, uh, as a throw-in based weapon? Uh, I, I think um, I can see why people find it annoying. I think for me, home advantage dictates that you should be allowed to offer towels. I think the only thing you need to make sure happens doesn't always happen is that the towel is also available to the opposition um, in the same way it's available to the home team. And what, what does irritate me, however, is referees not clamping down the time it takes to take a throw-in. There's a couple of times in the match where it was taking the West Brom players a good minute to, to dry the ball off and, and line up for a huge throw. And then as soon as we'd get up the other end, and have a throw at their end. We just walk in to pick the ball up, and the referee is trying to hurry us up, and and that's obviously not fair. So uh, I, I'm I'm quite happy to have towels uh, for throw-ins, but yeah, let's just let's just make sure that both teams have access to the towel. I agree with you, but I I feel yeah both teams should have towels, but I think we need to acknowledge that there should be like a home advantage in the towel situation. So I reckon Anton, like the home team, should get like a large bathrobe, and the away team should only get like a like a flannel, like a bath flannel, or like a towelette that you get in like a budget hotel. <laughs> Maybe and, but, and both teams should still have like the the maximum six seconds to wipe the ball down. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> Maybe to even it up though, the the captain has to like tuck it into their shorts to carry it around. So so you can choose the size of your towel, but it actually hinders <laughs> one of your players as well. <laughs> or just wear one around the pitch at all times. You know, like a big. <laughs> 
you know, like a big dressing gown. Um, like a sarong. Okay, well, I'm glad we settled that one. Um, I'll, I'll send a letter off to the EFL in the morning because I'm sure, you know, they, they, they love us, don't they? What else do we have on our Twitter for things that we can talk about? I've got one. I've got a great one. This was, uh, this was absolutely incredible. Owen Robson on Twitter, he said, who would be the best dressed if all the Derby players went to the Met Gala? You didn't expect <laughs> to be fielding that question tonight, did you? So I think I think there's only one contender surely for this. Well, actually, I think there might be someone that would give him a run for his money. I think the obvious contender for this is Colin Kazim Richards. You just know yeah. he's going to come with something loud and he's he's going to have something stylish. But I do wonder, Keller Ruse would definitely, <laughs> would definitely put himself out and about for something like that. Have some really good Dutch style, very serious, smoldering face. I can imagine him putting off something a bit out there and it would be a bit of a battle of the styles between CKR and, and Keller Roos. If you're looking for the worst dress, though, it's going to be Louis Sibley. He's going to turn up in jeans and a T-shirt, which is three sizes too big for him, is is how I'm picturing him at the Met Gala. So, What about Anton, your Graham Shinnies in this conversation? I'm, I'm feeling he might turn up in like a sort of rascal, like bright neon fluorescent tartan three-piece suit or something like that. <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think Shinny's going pretty traditional, straight back from Shinny kind of tartan similar from the likes of of davis as well i, th- I think nathan byrne could could be pretty stylish um i mean Kutch, you mentioned keller Roos. I, I don't think keller Roos would be the most stylish I, I think he'd definitely be the weirdest dressed at, yeah so at i mean some Mecca. tangerine some real like <laughs> sharp tangerine sarong kind of vibe yeah for, for me though I, I also can't see past ckr ckr's the sort of guy who could just wear like a conceptual bin bag, perhaps, but he'd still look like really effortlessly cool <laughs> in, in sandals. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'm glad we sorted that. That's uh, you know, that's that's two key topics we've ticked we off there. Really um, cover look, the hard hitting questions on this pod, don't we? Oh, big time. This is why we get uh, award nominations. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> look back to the, back to the football. A, a serious thing we do have to talk about. A bit of a fruity team selection from. Wayne Rooney tonight um as I said at the top of the show like you know how we're all expecting to get absolutely pumped tonight given that we left two of our most creative players on the bench uh Tom Lawrence his captain I just couldn't get my head around that at all and and Ravel Morrison dropped to the bench as well Rooney has pointed to the fact that we've got five games in 20 days and we have to rotate just to avoid the risk of injury I did wonder when when he makes that point, if he's making a bit of an unsubtle pointer to to Mel and, and the club's hierarchy about the situation that he's working with. But did, did his team selection tonight make sense to you because of West Brom's direct style or do you think he was a bit needlessly cautious? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think against West Brom, you're only really going to play three attacking players. I, I, I don't mind a bit of a rotation policy. I, I wouldn't say... Necessarily, that that Lawrence or or Morrison have have staked their claim as a certain starter. They've they've both done pretty well, especially Morrison. But I, I think so of Yuzviak and, and Sibley. So I wasn't kind of too disappointed to see those two over Lawrence and, and Morrison. Morrison was also away on international duty as well. He, he's also obviously not played a huge amount over the last few years. So. 
he's not going to be able to play every game. And and similarly, with five games in, in 20 days, no one's going to be able to play every game. And, and the last thing that we want is is to pick up injuries in, in those front three spots when, when we don't have the squad depth to, to see us through the season. So I I wouldn't want to create a, a big story about it, to be honest. I'm, I'm happy for a bit of rotation while they're, they're all playing fairly well. I get the point about Morrison having not played that much football recently in international duty, but... Juzviak did come back in, although I know he was rested for the Birmingham game. And, you know, Davis and Jagielka, who, as we both know, have got a combined age of 257, um, you know, they both, they, they've both played basically every minute. Uh, could you not see a case for like Stearman coming in? I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting sort of mixed messages in in, in that sense. It's, it's, it's a diff- different game, though, I would say, as a centre-back compared to those front three who who had to, their job basically was to run about and, and put the West Brom defence under pressure. Um, you wouldn't necessarily say Morrison is is a player that could do that. And potentially you, you wouldn't really want Morrison in, in the centre either because you, you don't necessarily trust him defensively. Lawrence, at the same time, is not really a player you want just running about because I, I think you'd prefer a Sibley and a Yuzviak doing that. Lawrence is a luxury player who will get on the ball and create things, but that's not what we had um, in, in this West Brom game. I think, yeah, I, I, tend to, I tend to agree with Anton, really. I mean, regarding Jagielka and Curtis Davis, I think the international break absolutely is, is important for them. They had that international break. Obviously, Birmingham was Friday, so it wasn't a Saturday-Tuesday turnaround. I've got no problem with him dropping Ravel Morrison. I thought Ravel Morrison started the season well, but it's looked a bit off the pace last few games and as many journalists have pointed out this is very this is very unusual for Morrison to have been able to string this many starts together um consecutively so I think he was probably due a rest and I think it will hopefully do him good and and we'll maybe see um we'll see more from him this this weekend again Lawrence is probably the, the 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 most questionable one to to have been dropped I mean Bird came out and we've got now it's so, so great by the way isn't it we haven't mentioned him really but great to have Jason Knight back and we can make those changes in the middle of the park. So I think we'll see more of that bird night and Shinny being kind of rotated. Um, Lawrence is probably the other one uh, that, that he's been left out, but I, I can see the reasoning for it. And again, you know, we need to look after all these players. You know, he has got a small squad. Um, he has to pick and choose. I think he'll be absolutely delighted with the point he's got, you know, top of the league and all the changes he made. A number of first team regulars coming out, a new system tried. Williams doing a great job as a left wing back or a left back. And Buchanan, let's just give Buchanan a shout. His defensive capabilities have been criticised um, in the past. I think sometimes harshly so. I think he does get caught out of position, but I think on one on ones, he's good. Heading, we know he's great in aerial duels. Um, I thought he really showed that he can be a, a class defender tonight. Um, so I think, you know, the result to me and the performance justifies the selection. And it's a bonus now that the likes of Morrison, Bird and Lawrence have had a, had a decent rest. And in the case of Morrison, you know, not common at all. Um, a good rest looking ahead to another really tough game against Stoke, who play tomorrow night. Another one off our Twitter, Anton, in the in the what things should we talk about thread <laughs> came from... Uh, classic only child on uh, on, on Twitter uh, saying that uh, Jaggy Elk and Davis look like they've got the unlikely potential of being an enduring force. What's the best and worst central defensive pairings you've seen turn out for Derby County? Oof. Oof, that is... Well, best has got to be... You've got to be looking at Michael Johnson and Darren Moore, haven't you, in our time watching Derby? I mean, worst, I don't know where to start, to be honest. Um... Darren Moore and Claude Davis? 
seems harsh to have Darren Moore in the best and worst selection, but the results do sort of speak for themselves, don't they? That's a victim of circumstance, isn't it? Um, yeah, you probably go with those. Those in terms of best and worst, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously Andy Todd and Claude Davis. If you want to excuse Darren Moore, <laughs> you could you could go down that route. I think Andy Todd played defence midfield a bit that season as well. I don't know in the, in the championship. You know, the last. I guess the last couple of years we haven't had as, as great centre back selections, but in the Clough and then later after Clough years we had some good centre back depart- partnerships. You know we had a little bit of time of Barker and Shackle, which was which was nice. And we had a little bit of time of Shackle and Keo as well, which which obviously had great potential. Obviously, Bucko and Keo was was great, but you wouldn't describe that team as a super solid defensive team, would you? Um, I think I think Johnson and Moore has, has got to be the the go to in in our time. I'm trying to think, Chris. Who would who would have mid '90s classic centre back partnerships in the gym? I think you years? did did like Igor and Carbonari play together as a two, or was it more like Igor and I don't know, like Gary Rowett or something like that? Or uh, yeah, as a back three sometimes as well, wasn't there? It was a back three, yeah, or even like Jakob Lawson tucked in. Um, so well, Igor and anyone, I guess, is yeah. is, 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 is an easy answer. <laughs> Igor on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Shackle and, and Barker because that that was I remember thinking at the time that they they were starting to get a bit of a like partnership together with like Brayford in that back four as well. Like it was starting to look like a decent little defensive unit, and then obviously Barker had his horror injury and it all got like disrupted, and then we sold. And then Shackle, Shackle season less after about that situation, the better. Yeah, going back to Jackie Elka and Davis, uh, I, I, it is working really well, and and for the. For the style of game that we had today, where West Brom were just kind of trying to bully us, basically, and pump balls into the box, I, I can't think of any anyone else in the championship that I'd, I'd rather over those two, to be honest. Um, they're, they're probably the biggest warriors in the whole championship. Yeah, well, we know what they're good at, heading out ball after ball, but judging by the Birmingham game, at least, there are things that they are less good at, that being playing out from the back it's time to have that conversation again i'm afraid <laughs> the uh the the sort of monthly playing out from the back conversation look i did i didn't think we looked that bad at doing it for the first quarter of an hour against birmingham like we were like looking for spaces we were playing at playing around the press playing some nice little triangles we didn't really build that many attacks from from playing out from the back and it's easy to say they were bad at it, given what happened after. But I, I just felt we were showing signs of it sort of bedding in. And people said afterwards, it looked like a nightmare from the start. But the thing is with it is that it, it only has to go wrong once to cost you a goal. It's like a risk-reward situation. Um, you can see why Rooney wants to play it because we don't have that target man. Like We don't have someone that it will stick to when we pump it long. So we have to try and play through the thirds, like between the lines and link up play between defence, midfield and attack. But look, Kutch, playing out from the back, we did it against Birmingham. It cost us. We didn't do it tonight. And it's contributed to us getting a very creditable draw. Do we stick with it or do we abandon it? I think it's I think it's picking your moment. And I think it's having the flexibility to do something a bit different. I know that's, that's not as easy to do as it is to say because you set your team up in a certain way and the movement of the players in the final third will be different if you're trying to play out from the back and if you're just going to hit the channels like we did tonight and, and cause a bit of chaos in the final third or, or try and cause a bit of chaos. I, I think this season we've, we've been okay at it and I think Jagielka and, and Davis have looked competent. 
Um, and as you say, the first 10, 15 minutes of the game at Birmingham on, on Friday night, we, we were doing okay. We were, we were playing through them. We were getting into the final third and we were creating chances. But Birmingham worked it out. And then Derby have got to find a way to work out how they've worked us out and how they're pressing us and find a new way around it. And they didn't. And they kept doing the same thing. And then they kept failing. And then it was only a matter of time before the killer mistake was going was gonna to hurt us. So Derby have got to, and Rooney has got to find a way to, to change it in game if necessary or mix it up a bit. So just to give them something to think about, even if it is a ball over the top to, for Sam Baldock or Juzvek or whoever to run down into the channel, just give them something a bit different to think about. So maybe that press might not become so aggressive. It's about mixing it up, in my opinion. It's not really an either or. What I will say is, the one of the benefits of the way they played tonight was you got 100% the best out of Davis and Jagielka. It was just concentrate on defending. That is all you got to do. When you add in the way we're trying to play for most of the season so far, and you're asking Osu to start attacks and, re- and recycle possession at the back, it adds another element to their game, which is going to distract them, I think, from the defensive jobs. That's, that's the danger to me. Yeah, I, I think your point about adaptability in game cuts is really the key one Um, because what was most worrying against Birmingham for me is that they're not necessarily a a high press team they're they're not one of those teams that that kind of do that on a on a week by week basis but they kind of recognized our weakness and and saw we were playing out from the back from the start and and they adapted mid-game to to kind of put pressure on us and and it really worked for them Rooney's got to change his style so that we can adapt mid-game we, we saw Rooney get it kind of spot on today from the start and and we've seen him get it spot on several times over the last few months from the start but we've rarely seen him change in game and that's something that he really has to learn to do and playing out from the back versus going direct is a, is a really important example of that I thought um Curtis Davis actually kind of summed it up quite well because it, it, even though in, in the first 15 minutes we we looked fairly comfortable and, and we looked okay, Davis said in his post-match interview that we we were brave on the ball to some extent in the f- sense that we we had players asking for the ball and, and kind of wanting to have the ball, but we weren't taking that bravery to the next step and, and playing through the lines and, and being brave with the pass that we played. So we often went sideways or, or went backwards and that just piles more pressure on because if you're just passing it around the back and aren't willing to, to, to take that risk and go forward, eventually you're going to lose it, especially with players like Davis and Jagielka playing it around at the back. They're, they're not made to do that for, for 100 passes at a time. So if we do choose to do that and, I mean, on... Judging by the last two games, you, you, there's an argument to say we shouldn't be doing that because because of the qualities of and, and weaknesses of, of Jagielka and Davis. But if we do do that, we have to be brave in doing it. We have to look forward as much as possible and, and get it to, to the likes of Ravel Morrison and Tom Lawrence in advanced positions. And don't worry about if you lose the ball in the final third because once you've got it up there, you've got men behind the ball. It's when you lose the ball in your own third and when there's no one to cover where it causes problems so we've got to find ways to to move it through the lines quicker if we do do that but on tonight's showing i i mean especially against a better team than us which let's be honest most of the teams in this division probably are going a bit more direct is is certainly um looks more more beneficial to this team the whole point of the way i try to play Anton is to try and suck that press in to then find the gaps further up the pitch. So it's not about getting the ball forward really quickly. It's about 
finding the right opportunity to get the ball forward quickly and that might take time so you've got to draw that you, you kind of are playing with fire because you're trying to draw the press in so you can then hit the spaces in that kind of middle third yeah yeah i, I completely get you but but that's where we're going wrong we're drawing that press in and then we're, we're missing the opportunity and, and to give it to them yeah. and, and, and then we, we suddenly <laughs> yeah. have to play backwards like what we saw with buchanan um, there was nowhere to go and, and he was just forced into a backwards path because we didn't play it through the lines when we had the opportunity to do so. One last one for both of you just before we go uh, from uh, from Twitter. Uh, Mimi J at Mimi J uh, tweeted us to say Stoke at home and then Sheffield United away and uh, Reading later this month. Uh, but Mimi J tweeted us to say when will we next score from a corner uh, and then Simon Woolley replied to that, just saying, when will we next score? <laughs> um, how do you both see the next three games going? Causes for optimism, certainly. I mean, scoring from a corner, um, I mean, we, we we don't score from corners. So that, that could be a long time. Having said that, with, with Jagielka and Davis kind of running at, at the... The penalty spot that there is always a chance they, they we have actually had quite an interesting corner routine where everyone started like five yards out of the box and, and kind of just absolutely tanked it into kind of all at the penalty spot at the same time which I, I think is quite interesting it could work um it might also tire out Jagielka and Davis doing those five yard sprints every time we get a corner is that but... sort of the um like the opposite of the corner routine that Shea Given came up with last season where everyone was sort of grouped in the middle and then you all dispersed in sort of like a contemporary dance routine. Pretty much. I mean, I like it as an idea. I've, I've just kind of come to the acceptance that we will never score a corner when we do get a corner. So I don't get too excited. But um, um, Amazing. Amazing to think that the one thing Shagan will be remembered for at Derby County is that one corner routine in what, two and a half years of coaching at Derby when the goalkeepers probably went downhill under his coaching. And that one corner routine seems to be his, his saving grace. Um in terms of those two questions, I mean, Stoke have got a very good defence. Stoke's been a, another really, really tough game. They've only considered one more goal than us. As Tom points out on our WhatsApp chat, Derby have the fourth joint best defensive record in the division. So, as you said, scoring goals is, is definitely a problem. I wouldn't expect us to score a corner against Stoke. Um, and I think it'll be hard to score against Stoke full stop. However, the Sheffield United away, you know, we gave them a good game in the League Cup, a couple of reserve sides against each other. And they've been struggling this season. I would fancy us to maybe get something at Sheffield United. Maybe a cheeky away win at Sheffield United. Bearing in mind our, my connections with Reading, I always fear that fixture. Uh, but they're obviously, obviously, they had a good win tonight against Peterborough. And they're down below us. So that's a huge fixture for me. Because I think Reading will be down down and amongst it with us um, come the second half of the season. So I fancy us to get a goal or two against Sheffield United. And uh, it's imperative that we get a goal or two against Reading uh, at the end of the month. But Stoke, I'm not particularly optimistic about how we'll fare against Stoke this weekend. Sheffield United did hit five, though, uh, at the weekend. So I think uh, they've started to find a bit of form. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was six. Was it six? Was it six in the it end? Was. Yeah, maybe. Well, it was a, a lot, a lot of goals, goals. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Reading's one that you've got to look at and and target that for for three points really at home to Reading they've been absolutely shipping goals this season and I, I imagine will be down around the relegation zone I think both the Stoke and, and Sheffield United away are, are very tough and, and we'd be we'd do well to get a draw out of both of those games 
can I just add very quickly, Chris, as well, regarding our Birmingham City chat? I thought I was very, very impressed with Birmingham City. And I, I know it's, this was a bit of a debate on the uh, on this SBW uh, Discord chat, uh, wherever we, we just gifted in the win. But I thought Birmingham City looked very, very in control of that game after the first 15 minutes. I thought they were clinical when, when we presented them with a couple of chances. Although the second goal was just a really clever... I know that Sibley's tackle led to the the finish, but the way that they broke on us from the halfway line once we gave it away was really, really ruthless. And I, I think Burnham are going to be top six this season. And look, we, we thought that Huddersfield game, first game of the season, would be a relegation battle. Look at Huddersfield now. They're fourth. They won again tonight. Um, so we, we've already had a few tough games this season, um, which which is good uh, because we've got more and more tough games to come. But I just thought I'd say on record, I thought Birmingham were very impressive and I expect Lee Bowyer to keep moving him up the table. The championship being the championship as it always is. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks ever so much for tuning in to uh, Steve Bloomer's Washing for our latest episode. If you're listening on an Apple device, we would love it if you were able to give us a cheeky Apple uh, Apple Podcasts rating. Feel free to drop a five-star review over there if you enjoy the podcast and our content. But uh, we'll return in a couple of weeks. We're going to squeeze another one in in the next fortnight. But until then, Richard Gutcher, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure. Anton, appreciate your time as always. Now go and uh, rest that dodgy ankle of yours. Cheers, boys. Will do. See you again soon. <laughs>